Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, August 20th edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. Riding solo today, guys, but if you missed Tuesday's episode of the podcast, myself and my co-host Cole Shelton broke down the entirety of UFC on ESPN 15. There were a couple fights that switched uh, since Tuesday. Two fights fell off, and now we have two new fights. I'll talk about those today. I'll give my picks for them. But uh, definitely check out the rest of the picks and breakdowns that we did on Tuesday's podcast if you missed it. But today's going to be a busy episode once again. Bellator 244 preview. That's the bread and butter. And But there's a lot of other stuff we'll talk about today. Uh, UFC and ESPN 15, the new fights uh, that were released this week. I'll break down those fights. Dana White's Contender Series 29. I'm going to recap that. And there's a lot of news to talk about. A lot of fight announcements. Uh, some really good fights coming up. And of course, some big news at 205 pounds. But let's start with Dana White's Contender Series 29. I'll, I'll get rid of that uh, right out of the way here. Um, definitely a decent card. Uh, definitely some nice finishes here. We actually had three finishes on the card out of five fights. Dana White ended up giving out four contracts. And I think uh, I think it's fine to give out four deals on this episode of the show. I think all four fighters that got the deals were well-deserving. Now, let's start at the bottom of the card, work way up. First fight of the night was the guy who didn't get a contract, Kenny Cross. Picks up a small upset here over Kevin Seiler, wins the decision. Looked really good early. Uh, Kevin Seiler, terrible in this fight, by the way. I think he might get another shot, like, down the road, maybe next year on the Contender Series. But, you know, this guy is definitely not, I don't think, close to the UFC right now, which is exactly why we have the show, so we can see where these guys really are. He was undefeated coming in. He didn't look like an undefeated fighter. He didn't look very good in this fight. Kenny Cross, nice start to the fight. First two rounds in the bag. Third round got really tired, though. Uh, I think you could give him the third round, but Siler definitely fought back hard in that third round. There's a lot to like about Cross. There's some stuff that obviously Dana White didn't like either. The fact he didn't get the finish, the fact he tired out in the third round, I can see why he didn't get a contract. I think you'll probably see this guy fight on Contender Series maybe later this season. If not next season, he'll get another shot in the Contender Series. But, you know, I don't think he's really UFC caliber right now. It's still possible they could bring him in on a short notice fight. They're bringing in a lot of guys in right now. They're not really UFC caliber, to be honest. But uh, based on this performance, I wasn't super impressed. Um, but definitely this is a guy who could make some adjustments to his game. And to be fair to him, and like he said to Dana White on his way out of the octagon, he had just cut weight two weeks ago for a fight that got canceled. So maybe, you know, give this guy a little bit of a break. But based on this performance, you can't give him a UFC deal. Next up, the guy I was talking about on the podcast on Tuesday, this is the guy I was hyping up, Josh Parisian feats Chad Johnson, first-round knockout. Once again, the 50-pound weight advantage came into play in this fight. A much bigger heavyweight than Josh Parisian over a guy, Chad Johnson, 215. This guy should not be fighting heavyweight. He's a light heavyweight. You've got to cut 10 pounds and make 205, man. So, you know, hopefully that guy's back. I thought he actually looked pretty good in the early goings of the fight. His striking is pretty sharp, good speed, but, you know, once Parisian got close to him and was able to get the fight to the ground, it wasn't competitive. He just used his weight on Johnson to pretty much control him on the ground, eventually get top position and just rain down ground and pound and just knock out Chad Johnson with punches. It was a really good performance by Josh Parisian. This guy's good, man. I think he could beat a lot of guys right now heavyweight in the UFC, so I'm excited to see him get signed. He was awarded a deal. I expect him to fight on a – card very soon i think within the next month you'll probably see a short notice fight for josh parisian against 
a guy with maybe you know zero fights in the UFC or one fight in the UFC in the heavyweight division. Um, I'm definitely excited to see what's next for him. You know, maybe like Chris Dawkins, the guy who just fought last weekend, he could fight him. That'd be a really fun fight. Two guys that throw bombs, so I think that'd be a good fight. But I think Parisian right now, six fight win streak, guys. He's kind of a sleeper heavyweight. Uh, Dana White says he wants him to go to the UFC PI, lose some weight, get in shape a little bit better. I think he could be a problem for a lot of fighters in this division. Very high on this guy. Next up, we had a really nice performance here by Orion Kossi. He defeats Mac Dixon via third-round TKO punches. Wow, I mean, what a comeback. Seriously, like, Dixon looked pretty good early on. He did get really tired in that second round. Third round, obviously, he was exhausted. And Kossi took over. I mean, this guy's cardio was sick. Like, great cardio, man. Very impressive performance here coming back late in the fight. Obviously, he was losing early on, so there's some concerns. But the fact that he was able to persevere and come back late and stop the fight before the end of the third round, very impressive. He did get signed to the UFC as well. Dana White was kind of like hesitant because in this fight, at the end of the second round, he did like a fist bump thing before the actual Hornet ended, uh, had signal to end the round, which I saw, I was watching on TV and I'm like, what's this guy doing? He just wanted to get a breather, I guess, a few seconds early. His opponent, though, should have thrown a punch at him. His hands were down. So that's the kind of thing that obviously Dana White does not like. But the fact that this guy was able to get a finish play in the third round, I think that's something he does like. So he got a deal, and I'm fine with it. Next up, Shan Buys defeats Hillary Rose via unanimous decision. 327 across the board. She was also given a deal. She didn't get a finish, but I think her performance was very impressive. Uh, good striking, man. Good cardio. Very aggressive. Uh, definitely has a good personality as well. And like I said on Tuesday, I mean, this this is someone who's really marketable. Go to her Instagram. She's marketable. Uh, Dana White checked out her Instagram. She was like, Dana, look at my Instagram. So, you know, this is someone who's marketable. And I think she could be someone that is kind of a dark horse too at 150 in the UFC. Um, definitely would like to see more of her ground game for sure. But as far as her striking goes, guys, it looked good. It looked fast. It looked sharp. Uh, I think it's a good signing by the UFC. Even though she didn't get the finish, I think she looked good in this fight. And finally, in the main event, we had Luis Cossi defeats Victor Reina via first-round TKO. Of course, he got a contract as well. Man, very impressive performance by this guy. Both Cossi brothers got deals. I mean, it's pretty cool to see two brothers in the UFC. We've had it over uh, the 25 years or so of the UFC, 27 years of the UFC. We've had a few brother combinations from time to time. The Miller brothers, um, the, the Hughes brothers, the Lozon brothers. but. These guys, these Kossi guys, man, they're young. And unlike a lot of those other guys that I mentioned, they were kind of like older when they entered the UFC. These guys are like in their 20s. So they're both, I believe, 7-0 now with seven finishes. These guys are impressive, man. I don't know what their mom and dad are feeding them at home, but these guys are good. So I was impressed by their performances. Me and Cole were kind of down on them during the podcast breakdown just based on their lack of competition. Like I said on the show, though, sometimes these guys are sandbagging on the regional scene. They're just – they're not really – uh, fighting it up to their abilities once they get to like a higher level they're they're actually showing off what they can do and i think in this fights these guys both show that they're very dangerous especially this lewis costi guy knocking a guy like victor reyna who's very experienced that's a great win for him so i think all four of the deals the ufc gave her fine i'm okay with it cross i wouldn't have given a deal to either so i'm cool with it um the only real i guess question mark with buys because you didn't finish your fight but that division could always use some talent so overall it was another good episode of the show and week four comes up next week, which, of course, I'll break down then. Massio, Massio, good morning, man. How's it going? Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Massio. Okay, so got that out of the way. I'm going to do uh, – I'll do UFC and ESPN 15, the two new fights that were added to the card. So, again, there were some uh, 
I guess I guess it's injuries. I mean, really, I have no idea. It could be COVID related. Probably not though. I think they just uh, probably announced that. So do have some injuries. First guy, George Gonzalez. He's out of his fight against Ike Villanueva. And stepping in on short notice is Jordan Wright. There is a betting line out. I just saw it this morning. Jordan Wright is actually a small favorite here. He is minus 150. Ike Villanueva plus 130. So my thoughts on this fight. Jordan Wright is a contender series guy. <clears throat> He's actually a middleweight. He's moving up to heavyweight uh, to light heavyweight for this fight. Overall, I mean, he's he's impressive. Like ten and zero with a uh, one no contest. That's the fight I remember from Contender Series two years ago. Anthony Hernandez knocked him out. He tested positive for marijuana, and the fight was overturned to a no contest. So to me, that's a legitimate knockout. But otherwise, I mean, this guy's finished everyone he's fought um, by knockout or by submission. So. He's definitely a good prospect. I think that he was on the short list to come to the UFC for a while now. And I think he could do some damage at 185. 205, though, he'll be giving up some size to some of these guys. I mean, Ike Villanueva, the guy who's fighting here, he's not a great fighter by any means. We saw against Chase Sherman. He can be knocked out. He's been finished a bunch of times, 16 and 10 record. He's also 36 years old. This is why I picked George Gonzalez against him. But having said that, this is a natural light heavyweight. It's a guy who's fought heavyweight. Um, I know right on paper is taller and has a bigger reach advantage and that stuff could help him. But Villanueva is just a bigger guy. And he's also been training for this fight, whereas Wright took an extremely short notice here. So it's a tough fight to call, honestly, like, especially given the short notice, I think you can go either way and Wright could win. But the fact he took it on short notice and like three or four days notice. And the fact he has been knocked out before on contender series and the fact Villanueva does hit really hard. I'm kind of leaning towards the dog here in Villanueva at plus 130. I don't love him. I wouldn't put money on him, but I, I'm leaning that way for a pick in this fight. The other fight that was added to the card, we don't have odds for this one, unfortunately, but Dwight Grant will be fighting Caleb Bourne. So Dwight, Dwight Grant was supposed to fight uh, Jared Gooden, and that fight was scratched late, unfortunately. I think that would have been a really good fight, by the way. I think Gooden is a really good prospect, but... Now Grant fights Caleb Bourne. So Dwight Grant, 10 and 2. He's 35, though. So he's quickly gotten old. He was on contender series two years ago. Since then, he's fought three times in the UFC. Two and one. Lost a split to Zach Otto, but since then bounced back. Two really nice wins over Carlo Pedersoli and Al Juban, but hasn't fought in a while. The last uh fight he's had was against Juban in April 2019. Same card as Holloway Poirier 2 and as Sonny Gaslam. So that's a while ago. But the guy's definitely impressive. He has some good knockouts in his career, good striking, and he looked good in that G-Band fight. That's a nice win for him against a quality veteran. So, you know, this is a guy who's pretty solid. Caleb Bourne, 7-1, 32 years old. His UFC debut here, um, definitely not a big guy. I mean, you look at – you compare the size at welterweight for these two guys. Dwight Grant, 6-1. Caleb Bourne, 5-8. So that's a pretty sizable height advantage and reach is also in Grant's favor, 76 and a half against 74. So physically, Bourne is going to be a slight size disadvantage here. Um, as far as his resume goes, he's 7-1 in his career. Really doesn't have any notable wins. He has fought in LFA, though, has a win there. Um, also has a loss there as well. Since then, he's bounced back with a, a submission win in Shamrock FC, which is a decent regional promotion, not great by any means. Um, I got to go with Dwight Grant here. I imagine he'll be favored quite a bit in this fight. Uh, Bourne. He does have some finishes in his career, and maybe he could show off something here that we haven't seen from him in the past. But uh, just based on the short notice and the fact that, you know, this guy is not really a youngster by any means, I got to go with Dwight Grant. I'm glad they were able to find something to fight him. But, yeah, I like Grant here. Probably a knockout. I mean, 
that's kind of how he finishes his fights, but it could be a decision as well. So either way, nice that they were actually able to find some short notice replacements. As far as my other picks on the cargo, none of them changed so far. I mean, weigh-ins happen tomorrow on Friday, so who knows what's going to happen to weigh-ins. But as of right now, all my picks from Tuesday's edition of the podcast remain the same. So definitely go back, check that out. Masio Masio, any line on Zombie versus Ortega? I'll check right now. I didn't see one earlier. I was checking earlier this morning. Still nothing. Um, nothing yet. So it's got to be close and competitive. I mean, great fight. I'm excited for that fight, Masio. That's going to be a really fun one. I, I think you've got to favor Zombie a little bit just based on the activity. He has had a couple fights since Ortega's last fought in uh, December 2018. It's been a while since he fought Max Holloway. So he's been out of action for a long time. I would personally favor Zombie in that fight uh, on the betting line and just in the actual fight, but we'll see what happens. I mean, assuming it'll be competitive. Ortega's a great fighter, so you can't go too crazy on this one if you're the odds makers. Okay, so I got that stuff done. All right, Bellator 244 is next. I'll do the preview for this card. So overall, I mean, I think it's a pretty fun card. It's nice that Bellator's back. I still wonder the long-term viability of Bellator. I mean, they spend a lot of money. It doesn't seem like they've ever really, you know, gotten as big as they wanted to but it's nice that we do have an option besides the ufc for fighters to go to and fight so the prelims on this card we don't have odds for them they might drop actually we've had a lot of prelims for bellator preliminary odds for bellator drop like day of the fight so tomorrow's friday i assume we'll see some odds drop on friday but as of right now i'm not going to break down the prelims just because i don't have betting odds but i will go through them really quickly so uh first fight catch right about john jehazus against uh vladislav Parabchenko, don't know a lot about these guys, but Parabchenko, 16-1 record, so it's a pretty nice record. Again, no odds for these fights. Next up, this is a really important fight. I'm surprised it's buried on this card. Yaroslav Amosov against Mark Leminger, and it's a 175-pound catchweight fight. Amosov's 23-0. He is a really good prospect. Uh, 4-0 in Bellator. Look at these wins he has. Ed Ruth, Dave Rickles, Eric Silva, Daryl Harris. I mean, that's nice. Uh, he has a nice win over Roberto Soljic, who's a really good fighter from a couple years ago. Um, man, this guy's impressive as hell. He's 23-0. I don't understand why he's burying these prelims, guys. He should be on the main card. This is a guy they should be pushing. I know the fight was booked on short notice, but still, it's kind of weird. Mark Leminger, 11-1. Pretty good prospect, too. Fourth rate win streak. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to go with Amazon here. I mean, if there's odds for this, I assume he'll be a big favorite. Next up, Weber Almeida against Salem. Dinov. Don't know a lot about these guys, but uh, that's a featherweight boat. Next up. Lightweight boat, Vladimir Tokov against Chris Gonzalez. We have a featherweight boat, Lucas Brennan against Will Smith. Not that Will Smith, and not that Will Smith either. Another Will Smith. Uh, next up, lightweight boat, Adam Piccolotti against Sidney Outlaw. I think that's a fight a lot of people want to see, Piccolotti and Outlaw. They're not like elite talents at, at lightweight in Belter. They're like just a step below guys like Chandler and Henderson. Uh, Piccolotti, 12-3. He's won three of his last four fights. Sidney Outlaw, 14-4. He's won. Uh, actually, well, he had that loss to Chandler. That snapped a nine-fight win streak for him. So this guy's really good. He had that win over Roger Huerta. I would favor Sandy Ola on this fight, despite that brutal knockout in his last fight. And the main event of the prelims here, great fight. Eric Perez against Josh Hill. This is a really good fight. Another fight that could be in the main card. Eric Perez, 19-7. He's a guy that a lot of people talked about back in the day as like a future Bantamweight title contender in the UFC. For some reason, it never worked out for him. He was cut coming off a loss couple of wins, excuse me, coming off a couple of wins, which is really weird. Um, he did lose his last fight in Belter or Toby Misak. That was a pretty big upset. But before that, he won five straight fights. I still think he's a guy that Belter is going to try pushing. 
because he is 30 years old now. He's not really a prospect anymore, but he's a guy that does have a little bit more potential to show there than what he has. He takes on Josh Hill here, 19 and 3, 33 years old now. Josh Hill is a Canadian guy, very well aware of who Josh Hill is. He has uh, fought on the Ultimate Fighter before. Didn't work out for him, but uh, since then fought in WSOF. He's fought in a couple other organizations like TKO. And, of course, he fought in Bellator in his last fight earlier this year and picked up a win. I think that was on the last Bellator card before their hiatus back in February. Three-fight win streak for Josh Hill, won five of his last six. This is a close fight for sure. Eric Perez is solid. I kind of favor Josh Hill, though, just based on the wrestling, based on the grinding ability, and based on Perez kind of being disappointed. So I would favor Josh Hill in this fight. Kind of interesting. You have two guys, 19 wins. Someone's going to get the 20 wins here in this fight. Unless there's no contest or a draw, but hopefully not. I do kind of favor Josh Hill a little bit, though, guys. So we'll see what happens as far as the odds go. If he's available as a dog, definitely someone to take a look at as a dog. All right, let's get to the main card here. It's actually a pretty good main card. Again, I think I would have put the Amosov fight on the main card just because it's such an important fight. I think at welterweight with Amosov being like right there in regards to a title shot, but that's neither here nor there. These four fights are actually solid. So this overall is a good card. Start the first fight on the main card. John Salter against Andrew Kappel. Right now, we do have odds for this fight. John Salter, minus 300. Kappel, plus 250. Definitely not surprised John Salter's favorite. This guy's really good. Underrated fighter, man. 17-4 record. He's 35, so he's a little bit older, but he is really underrated. You look at his Bellator resume, it's solid. Overall, he's won um, nine of his last ten fights. I mean, that's impressive. you know. And, and in Bellator, he only has the one loss to Rafael Lovato Jr., and that's a guy that is not really a bad guy to lose to. He has some nice wins. Dustin Jacoby just signed to the UFC. He beat him. Kendall Grove, he finished him. Costello Van Stinas, his last fight, that was a nice win. Chigi and Yuguani. He has some good wins, man. Brandon Halsey's another guy. So, uh, you know, he's an underrated guy. He was in the UFC uh, 10 years ago. It's been 10 years since John Salter was in the UFC. He wasn't good in the UFC. He went one and two. He got cut. He beat Jason McCall by leg injury at the Machida Shogun fight in Montreal, the second one. And otherwise lost to Gerald Harrison, Dan Miller by stoppage. He got cut. Three fights in a year, got cut. Went to strike force after. Went to a couple other promotions. Landed in Bellator five years ago. He's been great. So I'm impressed with John Salter, man. He's really fun to watch. Great submission game. Underrated guy. I'd love to see him back in the UFC one day. I don't know if that's going to happen. He's a little bit older now. But he's a guy that kind of got uh, a rough end of the stick, I think, the first time he was in the UFC. Now, interesting matchup here because the guy's fighting Andrew Kappel. So also kind of underrated. 15-6. 35 years old, elevation fight team guy. Two guys 35 years old at 185. The winner of this fight is going to get one step closer to that title shot. The loser, who knows? Uh, as far as Capital goes, five straight wins, including a huge knockout win over King Mo in his Belder debut last year. Big upset there. He was like plus 300 dog. Nice win for Capital. This is a closer fight than the odds are indicating, in my opinion. I think Capital can win this fight, guys. He looked great in that King Mo fight. So to me, He's definitely a live dog. Plus 250, for sure. I mean, as good as Salter is, especially lately, he's looked amazing. He can be finished. And Salter has submission ability and knockout ability. So I personally don't like the odds on Salter here at minus 300. I think it's a little too high. I would pass on Salter here. I think it's a live dog situation with Kappel. But my pick officially is going to be John Salter. I think you'll probably get a submission in this fight. But... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Kappel pulled it off. I'm just staying away from this one. It should be a really fun fight. Next up, we have a heavyweight bout between Rory Nelson and Valentin Moldovsky. And this is a pretty big, <laughs> well, a massive mismatch according to the odds. Valentin Moldovsky, minus 900. Rory Nelson, plus 600. 
they're not giving any chance, eh? People don't think Roy Nelson's gonna win. So I mean we'll see. Roy Nelson, okay, we'll start with I'll start with Valentin. 91, 20 years old. So there's a lot to like about him, obviously. Four straight wins in Bellator. Solid names too. Linton Vassal, Javi Ayala. I mean, those are pretty good names. Has a win over Carl Abrickson and Ryzen a couple years ago. One loss in his career. Amir Aliak Berry, and that guy's really good. Split decision in a Ryzen fight. That's it. So overall, I mean, this guy is a really good prospect. Kind of surprised the UFC didn't sign him when he left uh, Ryzen a few years ago, but I think this is a great sign for Bellator. This guy could definitely be fighting for the headweight belt, I think, before the end of this year, if not next year. Takes on Rory Nelson here, a veteran of the sport, but a guy who slowed down really hard in the last few years. Look at Roy's record, though, 23 and 18. A few years ago, it was a much better record than that. Now it's closing in on 500. Um, so he's clearly sticking around, I think, a bit past his expiration date in the sport. 44 years old now. You know, Roy is a legend, man. He really is. And the guy really helped put the heavyweight division, like, on the map, I think, uh, like 10 years ago with the heavy Ultimate Fighter show. And he had some really nice wins in the UFC. Brandon Schaub, Stefan Struve, Mirko Krokop, Matt Mitchell, Chia Congo, Big Nog. Bigfoot. I mean, he has some nice wins. Like, don't don't get me wrong. The guy obviously has knockout power. But other than that, big right hand, what does he do? He doesn't have much. His wrestling's not very good. His submission game is not really there. Uh, he just kind of is just tough. The last few fights, he's lost four straight fights, actually. One of them by stoppage. The other three, he, he went to decision. So, I mean, he's still tough. Or he's tough to finish. We all know that. His chin is legendary. And it's going to be difficult, I think, for Moldavsky to finish him. So I'm kind of leaning towards a decision here. I think he's going to take him down, beat him up. But uh, yeah, I mean, the odds obviously favor that as well. Minus 265, the fight going the distance. That's kind of how I see it going. I guess Moldavsky could get a top position or something, or side control and just rain down strikes, or maybe submit Roy Nelson. But I think the smart money is on this fight going the distance. Moldavsky winning like the 30 26 decision. I don't see the fight being close. But uh, I like Wadowski, I think, by decision. Maybe look at that prop when it comes out. But, you know, if Roy Nelson loses five straight losses, you have to wonder if that's it for him in his career. Next up, we have the co-main event, Julia Budd against Jesse Meal in a women's featherweight bout. Right now, Julia Budd, a huge favorite. Minus 810, Meal plus 555. I mean, really, you can't go high enough, I think, with Budd as far as the line goes here. She's still a good fighter, 13-3, 37 years old. So, you know, she's old on paper, but, I mean, physically, she's in great shape. The one loss to Cyborg before that, 11 straight wins. Her last loss before Cyborg had been 2011 to Ronda Rousey and her other losses to Man Nunez. I mean, she's lost three legends. So, you know, otherwise she just destroys everyone. You look at some of the wins in Bellator, the Ruben fight, the Nagara fight. I mean, she just destroyed those girls. Her wrestling's strong, her ground and pound strong, her submissions are good. Julie Bud's a beast. And, uh, you know, a couple more wins, she could get that rematch with Cyborg. I don't think it'll go differently, though. I think Cyborg beats her again. Takes on Jesse Meal here, 9 and 3. 35 years old. And you know what? You look at this girl. Women's featherweight is a really shallow division. This girl's not bad. I mean, she's won four straight fights. A couple of decent names there. Elizabeth Phillips, former UFC fighter. Talita Noguero is not bad in Bellator. Like, I think she's a little bit underrated at 145. So this is a division that's probably the shallowest weight division in Bellator and in the UFC, quite frankly. And I think this girl can beat some people in this division. Having said that, I don't think she beats Julia Budd. This is a really bad matchup for her. You look at her career, she's only been finished once six years ago, but I'm pretty sure that streak's going to end in this fight, guys. I got Julia Budd here just dominating this fight, either with ground and pound or submission, but I definitely feel like she finishes this fight. The odds for that, again, we don't have odds for her by stoppage, but the fight doesn't go the distance, minus 170. I'm pretty sure that's going to cash. I don't see the fight going the distance. 
Finally, main event of the evening, best fight in the card. Incredible fight here. Ryan Bader against Vadim Nemkov for the UFC or for the Bellator light heavyweight title. Wow, I mean, great fight. Bader right now minus one forty-five. Nemkov plus one twenty-five. You know, at first glance, that seems a little low. I think Bader should be a little bit bigger of a favorite here. I feel like he should get more respect. This guy's been amazing since he signed with Bellator a couple years ago. Overall, in his career twenty-seven and five, and uh, he is thirty-seven. But I mean, you look at the shape he's in; he's in amazing shape. Overall, he's uh, undefeated over his last eight fights. The one no contest to Congo before that, a lot of nice wins. Fedor knocked him out. Kingbo knocked him out. Linton Vassal knocked him out. Beat Mitrion. Beat Phil Davis. Knocked out Little uh, Little Knock. Knocked out Latifi. Since 2013, he has one loss, two losses, or just one loss actually to Anthony Johnson since 2013. So this is a guy with huge wins on his resume. Rashad Evans, OSP, Fajal. Rampage. I mean, this guy is he's great. I, I'm I'm a big Ryan Bader fan. I think he's a great fighter. Heavyweight, light heavyweight, he looks awesome. Having said that, Vadim Gemkov, I can see why people are betting on him here because there's a lot to like about him, man. 12 and 2. Nice record, 28 years old. And in Bellator, six straight wins. Or actually six straight wins overall, four no in Bellator. But the quality wins he has, nice wins. Rafael Carvalho, former middleweight champ, Phil Davis, former light heavyweight champ. Liam McGarry, former light heavyweight champ. Philly Blins, PFL tournament winner, guys in the UFC now. Also has some other wins early in his career over former UFC guys like Jorn uh, Gord Relich. So this is a guy who's been um, kind of like uh, under the radar for a few years now. And I think people are starting to see how good he really is. He's definitely dangerous. You know, the fact that Bader's been kind of bouncing between heavyweight and light heavyweight, it's kind of scary. Um, he didn't look good at the weigh this morning. I, I did watch the weigh Bader looked like he cut a lot of weight. Having said that, I still have to favor Ryan Bader in this fight. Um, I, I just really high on him, man. This is just this is me being super high on Ryan Bader. But of course, the fact he's nine years older is scary. The fact he's fighting a light heavyweight this uh, late in his career is kind of nuts. He hasn't fought light heavyweight in three years, so I don't know how that weight cut's going to affect him tomorrow. I am going to pick Ryan Bader in this fight, though. I, I think he probably finishes the fight. It's five rounds, so I'm pretty sure there's going to be a finish in this fight either way. Nemkov could catch him, but I think Brian Bader will fight smarter. He loses wrestling, wear down Nemkov, and finish him late. That's kind of how I'm seeing the fight going. So we'll see what happens. I did pick the favorites on the card, but I think there's definitely some upside potential, like I said, in that Cavill fight. Overall, a good card, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the odds are. All right, let's get to some news here. So I talked about this a little bit on Tuesday with Cole, but John Jones this week announced he's vacating the heavyweight title. That is official. So John Jones says he's cleaned out light heavyweight. He's moving up to heavyweight. That's his goal. So he'll be lifting weights and stuff, getting ready for his heavyweight debut. I love it. I mean, this is something we've been asking for as fans and media for a few years now. Jones was just completely dominant at 205 for so many years. I know his last two fights he struggled with Santos and Reyes, but I still feel like, you know, on paper he did win those fights. So other than Yan, who never got a chance to fight, unfortunately, He's beaten every else in that division that's really worthwhile for a title shot. So to me, it's a good move for him to move up. It's unfortunate he had to give up the belt to do so because we won't have that champ versus champ fight. He won't have that picture with the two belts on him, but it is what it is. Either way, I like John Jones moving up to heavyweight. Of course, it's not official yet by any means, but he says that's the goal, and I'm excited to see him move to heavyweight. The question is now, does he get the immediate title shot, guys, against Stephen Miosic, or does he fight someone else as a tune-up fight? Or does he fight Francis Ngannou? That's the fight he was talking about a few months ago. It's hard to say. I personally would like to see the Stipe fight because I feel like this could be the only time you can make it. Stipe, if he fights Francis, loses, then you kill that fight off. Stipe fights Francis, wins, you might just retire. So you also kill that fight off. I feel like Stipe 
I'm not saying he needs to retire by any means. I feel like he knows that, you know what, I don't want to stick around too much longer because I made a lot of money at the top of the game. And I feel like he could be like a GSP where he walks out at the top of this game. So I think Stevie doesn't have many fights left. And that's why I'd like to see John Jones fight Stevie. I think it'd be a fun fight. But Dana White did say Francis McGonnell is going to be the next in line. He said it once again the other day on SportsCenter. He said Jones can be next after that. So it's kind of cool that Jones can just move up and kind of jump the gun over guys like Lewis and Blades, who I'll talk about in a second here, and get that title shot. But it looks like Francis McGonnell is going to be next in line. But if I was up to me and I was the UFC boss, I would personally book Jones versus Miozic. They're both great fights, but we've seen Francis and Stipe. I'd like to see a fresh fight right now. Of course, John Jones vacating the belt means that we now have no champion at 205. And Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz, they will be fighting for the vacant belt. And I have no problem with that. Both guys well-deserving. Reyes, I thought he beat John Jones. Blachowicz coming off three straight wins. Luke Rockhold, Jacques Ray Souza, and Corey Anderson. He's won seven of his last eight fights. He's impressive. Both really good fighters at the top of their games. The betting odds did get released for it. And right now we have Jan Blavitz is a, or excuse me, Dominic Reyes, minus 200 favorite. Blavitz plus 170. Talking to Cole about it, Cole liked Blavitz a little bit, the opening odds. I mean, both of us haven't made her pick yet, but, uh, you know, I like Reyes, but the odds seem pretty tempting to bake a bet on Blavitz. Um, we'll see how they move, but I'm kind of leaning Reyes, my early lean here, just based on the youth. He's like nine years younger, but we'll see what happens. All right, uh, let's do some fight announcements here. Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades. This is official. I mean, it's a great fight, obviously. Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades, two of the best heavyweights in the world. Derek Lewis, nice little win streak here. Three straight wins over Ole Nick Latifi Ivanov. He'll be taking on Blades at UFC Fight Night 185. And November 28th at TBD location, Curse Blades will be the main event, five rounds. He's on a four-fight win streak, Curse Blades. He's won eight, eight of his last nine fights. I mean, the guy's impressive. It should be a great fight. Lewis can win this fight. He can land that bomb. But Blades, without wrestling, I think will be favored in this fight. So I like Curtis Blades here, but it should be a great fight. Next up, Anderson Silva against Uriah Hall. This kind of came out of nowhere, but I like the matchup a lot. It's, it's a winnable fight for Anderson. Uriah Hall is very inconsistent. Um, he's a guy that obviously has amazing striking and a guy that is super dangerous, but he's so inconsistent. He's 36 now. It's crazy, eh? Like, he kind of got old quickly. He was supposed to fight Yoel Romero. The fight got scrapped because Romero was uh, injured, but luckily they were able to book the fight against Silva here. Silva was looking for an opponent. This is a perfect matchup. A few weeks ago, I wrote an article about Anderson Silva and some potential opponents. I personally prefer the Shogun fight because they're both, like, aging veterans or even uh, a, a guy like uh, – um, what's his name? Uh, Goen Saki, I think that would be a good fight too, but Uriah Hall is a fun fight. I have no problem with this fight. Uriah Hall has won three of his last four fights, two straight wins, Bavon Lewis and Antonio Carlos Jr. as an underdog. He's looked good. Anderson Silva, he struggled, two straight losses to Jerry Canyon, Israel Asanya. I mean, look at who he's lost to, Weidman twice, Bisping, Cormier, Asanya, and Canyon. Those are great fighters. So, you know, yes, Anderson's been losing, but he's been losing to elite guys for the most part. The win over Brunson, I thought he lost that fight too, to be fair. But still, I mean, he does have the win on paper over a guy who's in the top 10 from just a couple years ago. Um, Anderson, though, is 45 years old now. And this could be the last fight of his career. Dan White said he has two fights left. This might be the last one. I like Anderson a lot. He can win this fight because it's going to be a striking battle. And he could win uh, just by kind of being a better striker here. But I feel like uh, Hall with the 
significant age disadvantage advantage i should say at nine years younger that's huge for him and just the fact tall has been a little bit more active a little bit more successful lately he's been kind of putting it together he can't get me knocked out anderson could finish him here but i think the smart money is on hall being a pretty big favorite in this fight next up Kay Hansen versus Corey McKenna. This one took me by surprise. You don't really see two like super young prospects. They're both 21. Kay Hansen coming off that win over Jin Frey. She obviously looked good in that fight. And Corey McKenna got signed last week off the contender series. And I was questioning why they signed her. Now I realize why they wanted to book this fight. They like this matchup. To me, this is almost like could be a contender series fight, but it's better than the UFC. At least they're going to make a little bit more money. But, you know, McKenna is definitely solid. And who knows? And maybe she can give Hansen some problems in this fight just with her wrestling. But I think you got a favorite King Hansen here, man, with that submission ability, just the youth. I think the confidence. You got a favorite King Hansen here. Next up, Carlos Condit versus Court McGee. Uh, a winnable fight for Carlos Condit. You know, I think Condit versus Anderson Silva actually would have been a really good fight. They could have did that like 185, maybe, but this is also a good fight uh, against McGee. It's a winnable fight for Carlos Condit. You know, he's a guy that obviously is a legend himself, uh, was one of my favorite fighters to watch for the first half of the 2010s. Really tailed off the last five years, though. Five straight losses. He has only lost to really elite guys, though. Kiesa, uh, Brazilian Cowboy, Magni, Maya Lawler. I mean, those are not bad losses by any means. So, I mean, Carlos Condit is losing the top guys, but he's getting finished. The fights are not very competitive. Uh, love Carlos, but clearly he's on the tail end of his career. 36 years old. It's a must-win fight. He loses six straight fights. I mean, there's no way they keep him around. Uh, Cormac Gee, 35 years old, so, you know, he's up there in age two. One year younger than Condit, a guy who was a former Ultimate uh, Ultimate Fighter winner in 2010. It's been 10 years since he won that show. It's crazy, but he stuck around the octagon for 10 years. And overall, um, five, six, seven, eight, and eight, eight and eight record actually. So he has a perfect 500 record in the UFC. Um, but he's lost four of his last five. Didn't look too great in his last couple of fights against Brady and Lee. I mean, he was somewhat competitive, but didn't show anything spectacular in those fights. He's a guy that doesn't really finish fights. He kind of just grinds guys out. Mm, I mean, he can win this fight. I mean, Carlos Condit can he can lose to anyone, I think, at this point. But you know, if Condit can keep this fight upright, he'll win the fight because his striking is so much better. But if McGee can get those takedowns, it probably comes pretty easy for him. He just kind of tries to take get takedowns. Condit's takedown defense is really bad. Very willing to give up the uh, uh, just give up his guard and 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 go for submissions off his back, which don't really work out that often these days. Back in the day, Condit was a machine off his back, but not these days. So my lean would be towards Condit, but it's tough, man. Massio says, Condit versus the Punisher, who you got? It's hard to trust him. Yeah, it is hard to trust Carlos Condit. I don't think I can bet on him at this point of his career, but I kind of lean towards him here. Again, fight's in October, so I got time to think about that one. Uh, another fight that should be good, Alejandro Perez against Thomas Almeida. Love this fight here at uh, 115. Both these guys are, are solid prospects. I mean, they're not really prospects anywhere, actually. Like, they've been in the UFC for a while. Perez, he's been in the UFC for six years now, so you can't really call him prospect. He is coming off two straight losses, but before that had won uh, six, seven fights in a row. I was unbeaten in a draw in there, six wins in a draw. So it's a guy who's dangerous, good wins in his career. Eddie Wineland, Yuri Alcantara, Matthew Lopez. He's solid. Coming off the two losses, though, including a knockout loss to Song Yudong. Takes on Thomas Almeida here. Thomas Almeida, I remember when he was like 22 years old and he was in uh, Legacy FC, or I guess he was 24 years old, but I remember when he was in Legacy and he had that nice win and he got signed and it looked like for a while this guy was going to be a title contender in the UFC. Won his first four fights, then he got knocked out by Cody Garbrandt. That sent him back. He's lost three of his last four now. And he's a guy that his chin is definitely a question mark. Hasn't fought in over two years. The last card that Thomas Almeida fought on was Stipe versus Nagano 1. So it's been a while. 
I do like Thomas Almeida though, and his striking is really good. I I think he can win this fight, but with the long layoff, with the chin questions, it's a tough one to be confident about. Next up, Jake Matthews against Diego Sanchez. I mean, I don't think I'd pick Sanchez against anyone. I know he won his last fight in paper, but come on, he was getting absolutely destroyed by Michelle Perea, who made a huge mistake there with the DQ illegal knee. To be fair, Diego, he did beat Mickey Gall last year and he beat Craig White before that, so he had some nice wins, but we saw that Mego Chiesa fight just got dominated. At this point in his career, I guess I don't trust him against many people. Jake Matthews, he's, he's young, 26. This is the kind of win he needs. I think he didn't really make a mark in his career. Overall, he's won five of his last six, two straight wins. But he's the guy that he'll get these wins over really low-level guys, and then he'll lose once he steps up in competition. I think this fight's a good matchup for him, though. I like Jake Matthews here. I think he just grinds it out. And last but not least, um, Shogun Hua versus Paul Craig, too. Fun fight. I kind of wanted to go a different direction for Shogun for his like, last couple of fights. But this first fight last year was a really good, fun fight, close fight, ending a split draw. I think this solves the problem of who the better fighter was. So Shogun, again, he's 38 now. He's getting older. He's been pretty hot, though, lately. 5-1-1 over his last seven, coming off a win over Little Nog, undefeated over his last three. So he's not like completely shot at this point. Um, although if he sticks around too much, I think that chin's going to go at some point. I thought it went a few years ago, and somehow he's managed to, to keep it pretty good the last few years, aside from the Smith fight. Paul Craig, super inconsistent, too. I mean, when he's on, he's on. His submissions are incredible, as we all know, but his uh, chin's not great, and he can be submitted, too. Overall, he is uh, unbeaten over his last three, including a win over Kazi Murov, and he grew up in his last fight. Paul Craig can win this fight by submission, obviously. He could knock on Shogun, too, but it's a tough fight to call me. I, I, I think you kind of got to lead towards Craig here at this point in his career just because he's a lot younger than Shogun. But, you know, Shogun's still dangerous. Could be an interesting fight. I'm going to see if I missed anything that was burning from this morning. But I think I got everything I wanted to talk about today. I'm excited for these cards this weekend, guys. Should be good. Bellator back. And then, obviously, UFC as well. So it should be pretty good. And I think that's going to be it. The only other thing I wanted to mention is Michael Chandler. He apparently wants to fight Dustin Poirier. That'd be a fun fight. Masiel says, who could take the bell off Bader? Well, I think Nemkov could. I think he'd have the best chance, actually. Corey Anderson could, maybe, because he's got that wrestling. He can keep the fight upright and knock out Bader, but I think he's more likely to get knocked out. Yeah, I think Bader, if he wins this fight, he might just keep up the belt at that point, possibly. Just do a permanent heavyweight move. Love to see Bader back in the UFC. I don't really see it happening, though, Masiel, unfortunately. But wouldn't it be nice to see Bader back in the UFC, even if he was at uh, um, heavyweight? You know, because I think. It, a lot of people are talking about Bader not uh, with John Jones out of the picture, DC out of the picture. Now Bader can come back to the UFC and be the champ, maybe. But I'd rather see him fight heavyweight at this point in his career. He's 37, so he's cutting a lot of weight. Anyways, that's going to be it for today's episode, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. As always, you guys can check me on Twitter at Martin Podcast, MMAdamartin.com, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, available everywhere. Definitely subscribe, like. Tell your friends about it, guys. I appreciate that. And check me out at mmaosberger.com, bjpen.com, mmarings.net. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'll see you guys Tuesday. Hope you enjoy the fights this weekend. Bell Torn UFC should be pretty good. Bye.